Always a pleasure to say hello to Vince Ferrara. And uh, for the next hour, you're going to be treated to Vince's views, which you will find uh, frequently updated throughout the course of the week. SportsRadioWNML.com does a great job of keeping tabs on VFLs and the NFL. We'll talk about that. He'll give you the schedule for as well as make his picks for each SEC game, NFL game, got the odds included. It is a cornucopia of sports information that you'll find only under the heading Vince's Views. Vince Ferrar, how are you? Hello to you guys. I am good, considering all the uh, angst in the area with Tennessee fans, and rightfully so. I, I don't, I, you know, I understand the disappointment, the everybody being upset. I, you know, you guys. <laughs> Uh, deserve better than the product you saw on Saturday, and um, and so it's been quite the week. But it's kind of what we do around here. Never a dull moment. Yeah, you and Brian Rice got to lead off the week on Tennessee Sports Night last night. So you shared some of your thoughts then for those that didn't see the show, or just go ahead and uh, reiterate your first takeaways and, and just watching the unthinkable transpire before your very eyes on Saturday. Well, there's so much, and a, a lot of the things that have been uh, uh, have been shared have, in terms of, you know, for Jeremy Pruitt and players, have only raised even more questions as to why we saw what we saw on Saturday. Um, but the the thing, the biggest question marks about this football team is the line of scrimmage and on both sides, and they looked like the big question mark that they were going in. And actually, they looked worse, to be honest with you. Bigger question. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and it's just, it is, uh, it's hard to understand that this team didn't didn't have a better plan, a better motivation, uh, a better response to a slow start. It happens. Bad, mm-hmm. Good Power five team with a lesser team, they mess around with them in the first half. Okay, you get yelled at at halftime. New ball game, second half. That's, I think, what what some fans would have expected. Instead, it went the other way. And Sean Elliott was talking about how, yeah, that that really took the the wind out of the sails of Tennessee afterwards. After he and he also talked about how, yeah, we knew we can get some things done at the line of scrimmage against them, both on offense and on defense. And that's exactly what they did. So whether he's serious or he's piling on or or whatever, that's not a good look for Tennessee when Georgia State's coaches is talking about those kind of things. Uh, just so many different areas of concern. Uh, all of the 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 coaching things, playing way too many players, in my opinion, and moving guys around in and out too much. Also, the administrative things, the the penalties, the running guys in late. Why did why does that happen in this game when you're supposedly and that's another thing you're supposedly making things simpler yet you have misalignments you have busts you have administrative issues you have players saying they they're seeing things that they hadn't seen on tape Daryl Taylor is talking about needing to study more film how why. He's, some of the you know the the want to that Nigel Warrior mentioned in the post game, Daryl Taylor talking about the wake up call of you know it was an eye opener that a team isn't just going to give us the game. Really, you you needed you needed a first game eye opener and after you had a losing season after you had a losing season and some of these players have endured multiple losing seasons. How is that possible? So there, to me, 
can they bounce back and win some games? They can. But when you have this many concerns, this many issues, this many inexplicable things that happen in one game to start a season when everybody's excited about the direction that the program, they think that the program is going, I think it it there has to be deeper rooted issues inside the wall when you see that kind of product on the field for a season opener against that level of opponent. We've heard people talk about how the, it seemed like the coaches treated it like a, a scrimmage or a preseason game with all the combinations you looked at on the offensive line, uh, the different things that they did on defense. Um, I just, I just have to think that Tennessee did not take Georgia State seriously. Jimmy, it's a, I absolutely agree with that. When you operate that way, it and you say you're going to simplify things so players can play fast. You know they weren't. They were already going to pare down what they do in terms of the the game plan. They they don't teams don't want to show a whole lot in those kind of games. And you're going to play. You're going to run players in and out, play to play, not series to series, play to play. Where is the the continuity? You, you, to me, that position on the offensive line is the one that is most dependent on continuity. Any of the VFLs that you guys talk to that have played on the offensive line will tell you that. And they they decided that hey we needed to we they're all about the same there's not a whole lot of separation so we got to find out uh, on the field well it didn't work and it was to me and not only did you running guys in and out you had them changing positions too so well, that's complicating things even more see here's what I don't like about that don't ask Wanye Mars to play left tackle and left guard right. he is a true freshman let him stay at left tackle. If you want to rotate a Ryan Johnson or if you want to rotate somebody who's been in the program for a while, okay. Mm -hmm. Don't let Darnell Wright play. Now, I think he only played right tackle, I think. But don't have him playing right guard and right tackle. Let the freshmen learn their position before you expand their responsibilities. I thought that was a mistake. They had these special short yardage packages where they'd bring extra offensive linemen in. So now you have guys now learning an extra role and position in play one time they had seven offensive linemen they were overloaded on both sides with with an extra tackle of course they couldn't get push on that play but it to me if you're i get concept football but and you want to be versatile but at some point there's there's got to be a zeroing in of what your duties are supposed to do or what your duties are supposed to be uh, just a lot of of coaching and player issues. I, I, the the whole execution thing. I hear that so much. I, it's a it's alarming that everyone is in execution uh, mode right now. Pruitt's putting it all on execution. All the players are regurgitating it because that's what they're supposed to say. Because it's a generic thing. You know, you can say that Ryan Johnson today said there are a lot of reasons why we didn't execute well. But didn't say what those what they were, so um, it, it's that sort of a generic go to term for everybody. Yeah, we were prepared, we just didn't execute. Well, that sounds like it's on the players. Well, and the players are saying we didn't execute. So uh, it, it's football is about all those things working together. So to just say it's execution to me, it is all those things working together, which is why there should be concern that for some reason they're not coming together and spitting out a better product.
Let's check in with Lee. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Lee. Yes, hi. Uh, I I get BYU TV. <clears throat> and by the way, they pronounce his name Greg Rubel. Rubel, thank you. Yeah, and um, they have a daily sports radio program. It's an hour long, and they call it the BYU Sports Nation. They're talking a lot about Tennessee, and they are highly respectful of Tennessee, and they seem as shocked as we are that uh, that they lost to, to Georgia State. And it's just interesting how they seem to be in, involved in that as well. Uh, I, w- I would like to tell you how far, as if you don't already know, how far Tennessee has fallen nationally. I was listening to CBS Sports Radio, and the host said, speaking of the game Saturday, there were no major upsets this week. Well, mm-hmm. so he was probably talking about ranked teams. Yes. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but uh, I'm sure it was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Tennessee is not included in anything. I just thought I'd bring that up. Well, again, I think his reference point or context was nobody in the top 25 was upset. Right. The only loss by AP top 25 team was Oregon to Auburn, where they're both ranked. Uh, and another uh, another indication that and a lot of people are talking about Tennessee, and, and, and it's not necessarily in a good light because of the upset. I, I think it has gotten a lot of national traction. Even last night in the Notre Dame-Louisville game, Kirk Herbstreit, they were talking about uh, the App State upset of Michigan because Scott Satterfield was there, the former App State coach now coaching at Louisville, and Kirk Herbstreit said, yeah, that upset was right up there with Georgia State beating Tennessee. <laughs> so I mean, maybe it was just a joke, but that, that shows you that people are, are, are well aware it was a huge upset. Yeah, yeah. I just learned uh, yesterday while listening to BYU that Trevor Maddich, uh, who used to play for BYU, is, is now with ESPN, and they're always on the phone to Trevor Maddich from Provo. Uh, that Trevor Maddich lives in Nashville, and I didn't know that. So there's a Tennessee connection to BYU. That's all, right. all I got. Okay, Lee, we sure do appreciate it. Thank you. We'll get a break. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900 puts you on Sports Talk. Weiser Studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. This is Sports Radio WNML. Sports Talk continues. Vince Ferrara sitting in this hour as you listen to Sports Talk. It is Jim who's up next. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. You know, I'm going to preface this question by just uh, going back to 1989 as a starting point. That year, Tennessee won 11 games. And then the decade of the 90s was a decade to the whole for Tennessee fans. That same year, 1989, started an 11-year stretch for LSU. And I know Jimmy remembers this well, although you weren't covering LSU at the time, Jimmy. Uh, they went six straight years of losing seasons and ended up with eight out of 11 losing seasons. Uh, I know Tiger Stadium wasn't being sold out every every night, and I know there was a lot of grumbling. Jimmy, you, you may have heard a lot of grumbling from 
relatives who were LSU fans or friends of yours down there, but it was not a happy time at LSU. Yeah, they went from saying, save that tiger to don't save that coach. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But anyway, so anyway, in 2000, they hired Nick Saban, and we know the history of that. Second year, he wins an SEC title, much to Tennessee's uh, detriment. But the fans came back, and 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 uh, even though they'd had a terrible eleven-year stretch, my my question is: as this Tennessee malaise just keeps on going in terms of, and I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the year. Maybe, maybe we'll win seven games. I don't know. But if this if this quality keeps on going. Do you reach a point where the biggest fear will be apathy and that it's going, it would take a ton after that to get the fans to come back? Because at this point, you're, you've lost a lot. A lot of the younger fans have never seen Tennessee, you know, really good or really, really relevant. So how much is the apathy uh, aspect becoming a fear or maybe not, because all you got to do is find the right guy. Maybe it is Jeremy Pruitt. I don't know. And the fans will come back. So talk about the apathy uh, prospect. Well, you don't want apathy, but I, I do think, and I think you were heading this direction, if you do start winning at a high level, they're going to come back. To me, apathy is related to attendance. I was really surprised. I thought Tennessee would have 90,000 for their first game. They announced 85,000 sold. There were seventy to 75,000 in the stands. And I'm going to tell you now, the start of the second half, it was about 50% full. There were people that actually left before the game because it was hot. It was 89 degrees at kickoff, roughly. That's what they announced anyway. But, Vince, I think if you start winning, now you got to you, you, winning doesn't mean six and six in a bowl game to get fans back. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to start winning at a high level, which means around nine or ten to, in my opinion, completely get these fans back on your side. Yeah, apathy is is bad, but I don't think it's permanent. Not for not for this program. Not the the way this fan base, this community loves Tennessee football, the university, and sports in general. So that, yeah, there's obviously things you can you can do to increase attendance, things like that. But I think if if apathy does uh, kick in they'll they'll make changes and then there'll be renewed hope and especially if it's a, a popular uh you know if it's popular changes then you know it's it's way down the road but i i don't i don't think it's permanent even if if it does kick in at, at some point right now we're still i think in the shock and anger stage though so i don't mm-hmm. i don't know that the apathy is right around the corner jim well, I, th- I think you're right, and and the LSU is a good example. Oklahoma is a good example. Before Bob Stoops came there, they were having a terrible stretch going through coaches and having losing seasons. So I, I do agree. Just start winning some games, win eight or nine, nine or ten, and they'll come back. Guys, appreciate your thoughts. Have a good afternoon. You too, Jim. Thank you very much. Let's go next to Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. Good afternoon, man. Good afternoon. Wanted to piggyback on Vince's point about execution. At what point should we expect a top-tier program such as Tennessee? I mean, I, I think I saw they were the 14th best program nationally of the top 100. Um, but at what point should we expect our recruits, 
par threes, fours, and some five stars to just strap up your helmet and just outman someone. You know, that that's my question. We can talk about X's and O's, but when you should be physically dominating your opponent, it, the execution should be a byproduct of that. I mean, don't you think? I, I do. And if you just looked, if you didn't put the classes next to the players with their star ratings and say you just put them in the middle with all of them have had some experience, then yes, you would think you could out-talent people just based on the recruiting ability and what coaches, previous coaching staff in this one, thought of them. The dilemma that this team, this coaching staff has, is the players, some of the really highly rated players on this roster right now haven't uh, achieved that level of play, and they've been in the system for quite a while. And they've also experienced a lot of losing so they're, you're having to try to remake them and fit them into your, your system. Then the young guys that Pruitt has brought in the last two classes that are higher rated are still so young and green and making mistakes. So they have maybe some upside for the future, but they're not the finished product to be able to out-talent people yet. You can out-talent at specific positions when you have other ones that pull their weight that are more experienced next to them, and that then happens. So it's like it's a roster full of half abilities that you can't fully get to what those recruiting rankings and the talent that you would expect there to be on this team can't live up to because you're something's pulling them down on either side. It, he, it's a it's a tough spot right now, and I think. Unfortunately, a lot of those older players, not all of them, but some of them have have experienced so much losing, either their confidence is down or they're numb to losing and, and don't know how to get out of it. And frankly, the head coach isn't used to the losing either. So I don't know if he or the staff has the 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 right uh approach to get them out maybe he will that's the test in front of him but that's an unknown and how he can coach players that aren't elite talent and then how does he get them out of losing that he and a lot of his staff aren't used to right all the questions that hopefully will play out before it's too late uh the last last comment i wanted to make and i'll leave it with this is on the apathy thing, uh situation how much do we think with the increase of television network and television money, the SEC network and you know ESPNU and two and whatnot, how much do you think that that's playing a part into the apathy or the the decrease in the number of fans uh, at the at the game? I mean, the season opener, we get it's Georgia State, we get it's hot, but in years past, think back, there's there's been you know sellouts for the majority part of my life on, on game one, except for the last several years, of course, going along with the losing record, but also those directly along with the increase in the ability to be on television. Why would we go to the stadium instead of upwards to 100-degree heat when we could sit at home and watch it on TV? Well, you know, that, say, that's, that's kind of the, the question I'm going with that. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, Jeremy, uh, there were Tennessee's most all of their games have been on TV for for twenty something years. 
And yet people were going in the 90s, and when they were good in the 2000s, they would go. So I think it's the product on the field more than anything else. I do think the proliferation of TV games and the fact that you can get a 70-inch TV in your home, and that there are more people staying at home. I get that. And it's been harder for every team across the country to fill their stadium. The difference with Tennessee, in my opinion, is it's a more significant drop-off. Alabama's having trouble settling out even, as good as they are. But the drop-off at Tennessee has been, uh, when you go from 100,000 to putting, what, 70, 72,000, whatever it was for your opener, that's huge. When Alabama has a drop-off, it's from 100,000 to 98. So I, I think it's the product on the field more than anything else. Vince, you got a different take? No, and I think with Alabama, it's not it's not even tickets sold. It's just people going to the games because they know they're going to crush an opponent, and those are the kind of things that tweak Nick Saban is why are we playing these lesser opponents if nobody's going to show up? Let's, let's challenge ourselves. Of course, it's easier to say that from uh, his perch. That's Vince Ferrara in his perch with Jimmy Himes of John Wilkerson. More with Vince coming up on Sports Talk. Sports Talk continues. Vince Ferrara sitting in for this hour of the program. 656-9900 is how you join us. It's Q who's up next. Hello, Q. How's it going today, gentlemen? Doing well. And yourself? Hey, doing excellent. Doing excellent. I wanted to present a scenario to you, and I know it's working within the realm of hypotheticals, and I understand that. Um, I know... I believe it was 1988 when we started off the year 0 and 6. Um, given the current climate and the hostility that's surrounded the program for the past few years and uh, how we played this past Saturday, if Tennessee were to go out and, you know, give a good effort but still fall short to BYU, uh, beat Chattanooga, and then lose the next three or four, and we're off to a, a 1 and 5 start. Uh, I could see us in a bit of uncharted territory in the sense of I'm not sitting here saying today oh, we ought to fire Pruitt, but I don't see how he would last through that, and I don't see how he would be able to keep the team through that. And I know it's a hypothetical question, but w- what do you think would happen? Because it's certainly not out of the question. Well, it's not out of the question, but I, I just think that you have an administrator in place who made the hire. So I, I just think that unless there was something that was a serious disconnect that was apparent, I just I don't know that that would guarantee at that stage of the season, and I'm just talking about the halfway point, anything drastic being done. Jimmy, do you have an agreement, disagreement? Well, I, you're not going to do anything. Like, he's, he's talking about if you're headed toward a disaster. You're not going to do anything, in my opinion, until the season's over. If you went 2-10... I think the head coach could get fired because you're certainly not yeah, going I, in the right direction. If you went four uh-huh. and eight, uh, that's that's going to be a difficult call. I think the thing that you're looking at is he's got to show you some reason to want to keep him. And I, I think that's going to be one of the challenges going forward. Four and eight would obviously be a huge disappointment. Is he able to, at that time, still look like he's holding on to a great recruiting class? If not, then are you postponing the inevitable? So 
Yeah. I, I think if we go down to Gainesville and they put it to us by two or three touchdowns and we're one and three at that point, I, it's just it's going to get really ugly around here. Now, and you now, know. I'll say this, that, that 88 team that started 0-6, they made uh-huh. a bunch of coaching changes at midseason. They won their last mm-hmm. five games, but nobody they beat was very was really any good. That's how you yeah. get a five game win streak. You beat a bunch of teams that weren't very good. And John, they yeah. had a great year the following year. Yeah, went eleven and one and won the SEC in eighty nine. Yes, they did. Yeah, and they also had some great talent. They redshirted like Chuck Webb and Carl Pickens. They redshirted those guys in eighty eight. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, Vince, you, your thoughts? I, I think on it that? just I think it just points to the importance of this game Saturday because it it's a it could be a real crossroads for Jeremy Pruitt and his tenure here at Tennessee. I'll hang up and listen to the rest of your comments. Thank you. Yeah, I think it is very important because I think that some people have already made up their mind on Jeremy Pruitt. In in the eyes of fans, including those that were maybe taking a wait and see on him before, after seeing Saturday, I think some have made their permanent determination on, on Jeremy Pruitt. And I think even if they lose this game and they're – and fans have made up their mind, and you feel like it's inevitable that they're going to have a terrible season, I don't think Tennessee is going to be ahead of the curb and do something this year. I I, I just don't see that scenario. You guys mentioned uh, that the athletic director hired the head football coach, so he's pretty invested in him. And on Tennessee, I don't think just they, they operate that way. Um, I, obviously, it will be a bad look, and the – the 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 national media and everybody's going to pile on and it's going to look bad but another another part of the 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 coaching um hot seat and and how quickly moves are made and Jimmy you know this is attendance if it gets to incredibly embarrassing levels in terms of the people in there if they're if they're drawing if they only put 30,000 people in in the stands and you're losing and getting embarrassed that speeds up the process. But that loss against Georgia State, because of the reaction and how historically bad it was, you mentioned the attendance and everything, that's one of those games that can clip a year off of a coach's tenure. One game alone because it was so bad. Again, maybe he can work his way out of it. They can bounce back. I'm not saying that it's in, it, it's inevitably going to end bad. I'm saying that that really shortens your leash. Wasn't Lloyd Carr fired the year Michigan lost to Appy State? I think he was fired that year. I think you're right. And they did not have mm-hmm. a bad team. I think they went on Correct. to win like nine games maybe. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Vince, that can, uh, you know, you lose a game like that, it can shorten the leash. Yeah. Let's catch up with Bill. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Bill. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to follow up on what you were talking about. I got to tell you, uh, I don't think it's on the players near to the degree that some of the people want to say. I think this is all on Jeremy Pruitt. I think he's made so many mistakes, and I like him. I don't want him to leave. I just don't know if he'll learn. He's extremely stubborn, and you you don't come into a program saying, all my juniors and seniors that I have are no good, so I can't play them, and I have no talent. So those players are never going to have loyalty to him because all he talks about is not having talent. Instead of coming in and understanding whoever is a player, day one when he came in, they're all his players. So I think that was his very first mistake. Secondly, 
he can't keep saying this is a simple defense. It's not a simple defense. If it was a simple defense, they'd be lined up properly. They'd be much better. Uh, and, and I think he's trying to run a defense that he has run with talent and depth that he doesn't have right now and doesn't have the ability, nor or he doesn't want to adapt to change the defense and gradually build it as he gets the talent. So, I mean, to talk as if uh, you, you don't go from the, the start of, you know, summer practice and not have your starting lineups already made out. Some of the decisions he are, he's making. So the question in my mind becomes, can Phil Fulmer sit him down and get him to change? If he, if he can't change, uh, you might as well cut bait with him because he, he's just not adapting to what a head coach, in my opinion, uh, needs to be. Although I don't think Tennessee will even consider getting rid of him in less than three years. I just I don't see how they would do that. I'd just like your thoughts on that because I think it you – know, I continue to hear about all the disaster Saturday, but players follow coaches' leads. And i, I got to believe he's got a great offensive coordinator. He's got a lot of good coaches. And I don't think Pruitt is catching near enough heat. And, and he won't answer the tough questions. And he's not getting asked the tough questions enough, I think, by the press because you know he's not going to answer he just skirts them. So that's just my view. And what's what's a tough question? What's a tough question that hadn't been asked of him? Well, I, I don't. I don't think the tough question is. Uh, do uh, Do you really think you're responsible, and it's on you for this loss? Well, he I said think there's it was. a difference. Give, I, wait he, a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. I, I think there's a difference in him saying it and you believing it when he says it. Where is his passion from last year? I mean, where, last year he'd have been kicking things. You, and and I, I, you can't calm down that much from one year to the next. I mean, that makes no sense uh, in, in my mind, Jimmy. I, 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 maybe I misphrased it with the tough questions. It's just the responses he's given it appears that he's almost given up. Well, there, there are times when he's been asked questions that, frankly, he doesn't answer. Like he was asked about I, I, your offensive line combinations, and then he talked about something other than the offensive line combinations. So, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, he dodges yeah. all that stuff, and I don't yeah. know how. But I, I don't see him adapting it. And maybe I'm wrong. Shouldn't you think that we should be able to adapt to a defense? Those players cannot be as bad. What, what everybody has been led to believe when you can't line up properly and beat Georgia State. I mean, they got much more talent than that. Here's a stat on Jeremy Pruitt's defense. In the eight losses under Jeremy Pruitt for Tennessee, they have given up 38 points or more in seven of the eight losses. The only one was 27 points to South Carolina. That's a lot of points, and Jeremy Pruitt is a defensive guy. Now, how complicated is it? Is it talent that maybe either is overrated or doesn't fit his system? probably a lot of different things but it is concerning to the one point that i agree with the caller is that that you're talking about simplifying things yet they still have guys misaligned and and you know not having bust and misassignments and having two defensive ends stacked on one side with none on the other and you got your your a gaps wide open and nobody can fix it pre-snap i mean those kind of things running guys on late late and getting too many men on the field. There, there are things that this coaching staff, even if they're undermanned in a lot of ways, 
should be better than what we saw there. So uh, it, the the results are, are that you are what what your results say you are, and that that is not a good look to this point. Bill, we appreciate the call. A break and a final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk is next. Thanks for listening and making 99.1 The Sports Animal number one for sports conversation at work. Final segment to hour number two of Sports Talk. Final segment with Vince Ferrara sitting in this hour with us. Vince, what's going on these days at SportsRadio, WNML.com? Oh, tons. We have uh, player interviews from today, both in video and audio form. Uh, Juwan Jennings was excellent. Really like what I heard from him, uh, showing his leadership, taking responsibility for the lack of juice and energy that he thought and a lot of people observed they didn't seem to have in that game. And he said he's going to make sure that it doesn't happen again. I know you guys will bring uh, that player audio coming up on the show. Uh, and then uh, tons of blogs. Jimmy's blogged about some of the things we've heard. As I mentioned earlier, what some of the things the players said and what Jeremy Pruitt said you know, bring raise even more questions about uh, what, uh, what transpired on Saturday and, and how they're going to fix it. So uh, good stuff from, from Jimmy and his blog brought to you by Big Kahuna Wings and uh, my blog and uh, Kaner and Joel and a bunch of uh, staff members blogging up there. Occasionally, John Wilkerson will contribute, including uh, a, a, a cool feature in regards to Tennessee football game days. Yeah, and unfortunately, this was the this past Saturday was the first time they'd ever lost on August thirty first. They were five and zero. Wow. So we do a this game date in Tennessee football history. We show the record, who they've beaten, who they didn't, and uh, I hope it's just it's a little while before we have to throw out <laughs> August thirty first again anytime soon. Let's get a call from James. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, James. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Pretty good, I guess. Uh, I've been away from uh, uh, 99.1 for a while, uh, visiting out of state. Uh, uh, I get back on 99.1, and it's a Spanish station now. And I, I thought, surely that ain't Jimmy Hines speaking Spanish, but uh, he is fluent. But uh, I mean, what it is, there's a there's a transistor. Um, a translator, that is. A translator that has kind of kicked up in an area that is impeding our signal where it should not, and we're just, we are trying to address the problem. Okay, because this is just 55 miles away from, from Knoxville, and mm-hmm. 99.1 used to come in clear as a bell, and now you've got that uh, yes. uh, Cialito Lindo, uh, you know. <clears throat> but uh, another thing, uh, today I think... And it may have been what y'all just touched on. I think I saw where Jawan Jennings said he was going to be the leader of the team. And every team needs a leader. But with his past, would he be the obvious choice? His, uh, he's, I'll say this. He's bounced back from his checkered past. He's done a really nice job. There have been no issues with him of late. And I, I think he has stepped into that role and – he said he is the leader, and he's not going to let what happened against Georgia State happen again with the lack of passion and emotion on that sideline 
Uh, I know where you're going with that, but you know this is a guy that was given another opportunity, and I think he seized it. And I don't have any issue with him being a leader of this team. And, and James, real quick to yeah. your question about the the signal, what what helps speed this process and getting that fixed is to ha- is to to get contact information for uh, for the uh, FCC to you know for those that are logging complaints. So if you want to hang on the line, Sam will get your info and uh, and then we can turn that in. And it just only adds to the the to the process of speeding it up if we can give them all right here's here are all the people that uh are uh are mad about it james we do appreciate it we need to get a break as um mr college football tony barnhart joins us next but vince to uh to pick it up again there's absolutely no reason folks shouldn't make sports radio wnml.com part of their daily routine that's right all the podcasts go to the show tab and it's got all the specialty shows a lot of great content on there go every day and i appreciate you guys and you have carnes at west correct rebels off to a great start absolutely looking good couple of a couple two three uh future college players on that team as well very much so and then the nfl show will debut on sunday look forward to seeing you at blue moose burgers and wings likewise thanks guys vince thank you very much that's vince ferrara